Hello and welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I'm your host, Valerie Complex, associate editor and film writer at Deadline.com. On today's episode, I'm talking to director Ava DuVernay and actress Ingenue Ellis Taylor about the neon film origin. Now, this episode will work similarly to the Eileen episode from last year, where we have two different conversations and two different episodes that I've recorded that I'm putting into one jam-packed hour of conversation. So I hope you guys vibe with that. Origin is based on Isabel Wilkerson's 2020 bestseller, Cast, The Origin of Our Discontent and tracks Wilkerson's creative and personal journey over several continents through grief, revelation, and the evils of historical stratification. King Richard Oscar nominee Ingenue Ellis Taylor plays Wilkerson, but among this project, she has others that are also in the works. She'll be featured in Lee Daniels' upcoming film, The Deliverance, opposite Andre Day and Glenn Close. She'll be in the Hulu Searchlight film, Supremes at Earl's All-You-Can-Eat, opposite Uzo Aduba, and she'll also be in The Nickel Boys for MGM with Plan B. Anjanu also has two Emmy nominations under her belt, one for her portrayal of Sharon Salam in Ava DuVernay's Netflix limited series, When They See Us, and the seconds for her performance in the HBO horror series, Lovecraft Country. Ava DuVernay is a director who has made history many, many times. Now, her work features the Academy Award-winning historical drama, Selma, the Academy Award-nominated criminal justice documentary, 13th. She also directed the film, A Wrinkle in Time, which made her the highest grossing black woman director in America at the box office at the time. In her 2019 series, When They See Us, she was honored with 16 Emmy nominations. And DuVernay also has the critically acclaimed TV series, Queen Sugar, which is the longest running black family drama series by a black woman creator in American television history. She amplifies films by people of color and women of all kinds through her nonprofit narrative change collective, Array, which is the winner of the Peabody Institutional Award. Now, if you haven't seen Origin, I really recommend it. It is a powerful, moving, disturbing film that offers a really unique experience. I have to say it was on my top 10 list of best films of 2023. So hopefully me putting my endorsement behind it means something. And I definitely think it's worth the watch. Take your friends, take your family. Today, I talk with Ellis Taylor and DuVernay about their careers. We discuss how they navigate the Hollywood machine and we also discuss why Origin is such a deeply personal project to the both of them. First will be the interview with Ava DuVernay, and the second interview with Anjanou Ellis-Taylor will follow directly after that. If you like what you hear on today's podcast, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to Scene to Scene on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. So with that said, let's get into it. Thank you, Ava DuVernay, for coming on the Scene to Scene podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to chat with you. How are you? I am well, and I'm happy to be on with you. I, uh, it's a long time coming. I have the strangest first question, but bear with me. If someone came from another planet 
and wanted to know more about Ava DuVernay. How would you describe yourself to a person that wants to know more about your work and your art? Wow, what a beautiful question. You know, I would not speak. I would show them something I've made. And um, I would show them my very first documentary, This is a Life, that I made for $20,000 about South Central hip-hop, young people, because that's very me. Mm -hmm. I would show them Queen Sugar, mm -hmm. which is the, you know, I think a chronicle of Black American life uh, in a way that I'm proud to say I had not seen done on television, and for seven seasons we did it, and mm -hmm. that is me. And I would say origin, because it speaks to everything I care about. Mm -hmm. it relates to justice and dignity for people of all kinds. And really, um, in terms of who I am as an artist, mm -hmm. I feel encapsulates everything I know how to do right now. You know? So, yeah, great question. Thank you. <laughs> what do you think is the key to creating good art, in your opinion? A purpose. Yeah, that a reason, you know? And the reason has to be authentic. Mm -hmm. like, Fame and money are not authentic reasons. The the to create good art to 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 it needs to be meaningful, intentional, and purposeful. And if your purpose is I want to make people laugh their ass off, mm -hmm. that's purpose. You know, mm -hmm. I want to brighten someone's day. I want to give of myself and my stories. I've been watching over the holiday. I was watching a, a lot of comedy. I needed mm -hmm. it, and I watched that um that Chris Rock Kevin Hart documentary. Mm -hmm. And then I watched this Dave Chappelle thing. And just the other, yesterday I was watching an interview with Cat Williams. These are all prominent black comedians. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and they just talked about a sense of purpose in the comedy, which I was just like, wow, I never really thought about it. But like, they are serious about this as a practice, as mm -hmm. a craft. And they're doing it from a place of storytelling and deep kind of confessional about their lives. And I just thought, wow, that's purpose. So, you know, it doesn't always have to be highfalutin. As long as it's highfalutin for you, that mm -hmm. is what makes great art, I think. Yeah, because if you get in this to try to make money, you're going to be miserable and disappointed every day, all the time. Uh, and I think, like, purpose is such a great word. And as I, as an artist myself, think about certain things, the word purpose hadn't popped up yet. So thank you for saying that because oh, well, now I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. But you know you're right. If you're in it for the money, you will be deeply disappointed. But I know that a lot of people were in it for the glitz, the fame, the 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 covers of the magazines, the red carpet. It's just like I'm here to tell you that is empty. It, it there is nothing there. It is a momentary it's like a bag of Cheetos. Okay? The bag of Cheetos tastes so good in the moment and literally three minutes later you're like my teeth are orange, my stomach hurts, and I'm still hungry. Right. And I'm like looking for real food. It's really <laughs> I'm looking I, for real food. Yes. I, I love that you said that because I think when people look at me as a journalist and uh, a writer, they see the glitz and glam. They see me talking to Oprah and all these different people. And I'm like, these are really significant moments that are happening, but that's what they are. Their mm. moments, their photos, maybe yeah. they are conversations and compliments. But when it's over, that's it. That's right. They're fleeting and they're beautiful and they're fun and they're heady in the moment, but they, they're not sustenance. Right. 
you know, sustenance is meaning and purpose and your reason for doing the thing. And if you don't wake up in the morning every day, even though it's a hard day, even though you're waking up and it's a 3 a.m. call and you're about to go, you know, direct, I don't know, Nazis in the middle of the night or whatever, right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Or it's the day after the Oprah interview and you've got to transcribe and figure it out and do all, you know, like whatever it is, if you aren't finding the love in it and love is hard. It love is. is painful, love is disappointing, love is all those things. But if you don't mm -hmm. love it and have that purpose, you know, really you're living, you're, it's a shell of the life you could be living. Yeah. So I want to talk about Origin. I remember the first time I saw it and the different reactions were really interesting. There's only a handful of us Black women out there at this level. So I'm in rooms with, you know, lots of folks who don't look like me and stuff. And so it was just really interesting to see how everybody was processing it and how I was processing it from a different level. So we had this conversation about what it means to make a radical statement. And I've said this in my review and I've said this time and time again about origin is that for me, film and especially film about topics like this, there, there has to be some kind of radical statement because we can get these types of movies over and over again. But if the statement is the same, then what's the benefit? At least I'm not saying that these those types of narratives are not important. I'm saying what is the radicalness? Are people learning? What are people learning from this that they won't learn anywhere else? And so that conversation was kind of shocking for other folks. So when you decided to work on this, what were some of the conversations that you were having with um, Isabel, with your colleagues, with yourself? That made you say, you know what, this is the right call. I need to make something like this. Yeah, well, my, my job is not to teach anyone anything that they don't already know. You know, that's not why I'm venturing to into a creative endeavor that comes mm. from my mind and my heart and my spirit. I'm mm. I'm not a teacher. The back of the black woman is not to perform right. for every moment. I am an artist, and this is a story that I wanted to tell and something that I wanted to make. So I don't have to do the math and calculate what does this do that others don't do. I, I wonder if my contemporaries, if Alexander Payne has asked that question, or Todd Haynes has asked that question, or Christopher Nolan has asked that question as to what is your film doing that is just, it, it doesn't even come into the mind to ask them that. I would. Mm -hmm. I would pause it. Now I have to go back and listen to every interview, but generally I don't see them answering that question. And yet always um, my films have to perform a type of social labor, but that's not what they're doing for me inside. Interesting. Okay. Me inside I'm expressing myself and I'm speaking to the things that matter to me in a sense of my purpose. And so I'm not having those conversations about, what is this giving and what is this doing and all of that? It's just not coming into my process. That's a dope answer. I'm glad you asked it. I think it's worthy. And, I, and you know, I feel comfortable in being able to, you know, tell, you know, I, I say that to anyone because often I get questions. I'm like, oh, you're just asking, you know, things, certain things that we um, associate with certain types of filmmakers and certain types of work. So it's a valid question. And hopefully my, my answer is valid too. It it absolutely is. And it, it gives me a different perspective on what that sort of looks like when it's coming out and how it's framed and how it looks to another person when they're receiving that question. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being candid and honest. So I, I want to sort of switch gears and talk about the actual filming of it, the technicalities of putting together something that is really, to me, I thought was grand in, in scale. Um, 
tackling all of these different time periods, working with different actors, different locations, different ideologies. How do you find the balance in that, not just logistically, but on the page? Yeah, thank you for the question. Now, I really appreciated your review. I did not read the reviews, um, but I had to read yours because they kept using it in the ads. Oh, did they? <laughs> and, I, and I had, when it was gonna go into the trailer, I have this thing about I'm very anal and I'm a Virgo, so I assume everything is very detail oriented. And I wanted to make sure that I read each review that was in the trailer because the trailer lasts forever. And so I read that. And um, and so thank you for the thoughtful intentionality that you that you put into the piece. And I think, you know, for me, I, I, I had to free myself of the even the definition of the juggling. Because if I really considered what I was trying to juggle, it would have freaked it was it was freaking me out. So I just, mm. I, just I just pushed it away. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I didn't think about the fact that this is seven time periods, different times. I didn't think about the fact that it's zigzagging through time and place and cultures and continents, and that would have been overwhelming. I focused on the personal story of Isabel Wilkerson. That's how I just did it as an artist. I'm like, I'm going to tell this sister story, and that story is not in the book. That story is in interviews mm -hmm. I did with her, research about her life, and you know, creating and interpreting the things that she told me in a way that I could I could express them cinematically, and weaving that in with the parts of the book that impacted me the most, right? And a lot of those parts, some of them are facts and figures, some of those are anecdotes from people in this country and people in that country, and the way to do that is just to let her tell us. Mm -hmm. And once I reduced it down to that the oh my gosh you know how am i balancing all these theories and all this this it just came down to follow your your character and let and let her guide you and and with that simple principle um it started to flow i don't know you dropping some gems leaving me speechless <laughs> i'm like ah because <laughs> that is really, following the character is extremely important because it's why we're there. Yeah. You know, it's why we continue to sit and watch is why we root for people is why we care about them. And, uh, you know, I spoke with Anjanou and she has really a really interesting perspective on the character and, and how she processed the things that she learned while on this journey. Hmm. Are there things about yourself that you learned while filming Origin that surprised you? Oh wow, interesting. That surprised me. Yeah, I think I think the main thing was I was surprised. I had had a story in my head about myself. Mm -hmm. Story in my head about myself is that I picked up a camera at 32 years old. I did not go to film school, and I basically taught myself how to direct by taking everything that I'd seen on sets as a publicist, by watching a ton of DVD commentaries, and by getting out there, spending my own little money on my first independent films and, you know, trying to be as authentic as I could while I was doing it. That's the story I told myself. And that's true up until a certain point. Mm -hmm. Now what's true is I know how to write, produce and direct movies. And that's what I damn well I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And so I don't need to do all that. You know, that's not that 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 got me here but but the thing that i learned about myself is i am inside of a different chapter in the story and i and for myself have been still hanging on to that early part and what that early part is is a little tentative mm -hmm. a little i started at 32 and i you know what i mean a little of that 
I mean, I'm out there in the middle of Delhi with no studio shooting on film in a very difficult format to shoot on film mm. on my on the on the 34th day of a 37 day shoot feeling like friggin Thanos Thanos I don't know the biggest <laughs> baddest person in the Marvel universe I don't I don't know who they are but felt powerful felt uh, um felt knowledgeable felt in pocket like I I got it mm -hmm. and and I got it not in Look, I, I'm, I'm Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese and all that. No way. Got it in just me standing right here with my with my producing partner, Paul Garns, and what we set out and wanted to do, like just in myself. I know how to do this. I'm doing it. I'm enjoying it. I'm where I want to be. That's my story. And that's what I learned uh, on this is I am standing confidently in like my current experience and shedding the old stories. And that was a huge, huge thing. I don't know if it was something about telling um, Isabel's story mm -hmm. with Anjana, but it's something about this, you know, powerful artist who's searching the world for herself and her and, and, and to put together this mystery of humankind. And there was something in that process I just felt very in the flow of life and work. And so what a beautiful gift to take from a, of a film. I mean, mm -hmm. all the films and projects I've done, When They See Us and 13th, they all leave me with something, but this was very intimate and, and internal and I'm, I'm grateful for it. How, because you've stepped into the personal lives of Martin Luther King and, and the Central Park Five and now Isabel Wilkerson. Is there a, I don't know if preparation is the right word, but is there a way that you go about stepping into someone else's shoes that attracts you to the work or that attracts you to the person. You really do excellent work when chronicling other people's lives. There's a sensitivity and a care there. So I don't know, maybe empathy is where it starts and it goes from there, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. It's a beautiful question. Thank you for the thoughtful questions. I just feel like a steward of their story. Mm -hmm. It's my job. Like, it's my responsibility. I, I, I am the steward of your story. I am the teller. You know, you know that, that, that in Hamilton, I was always touched by that line in Hamilton, who lives, who dies, who tells your story, mm -hmm. right? And who tells the story? I get to tell the story. Either this person has entrusted me to tell the story or someone in their family has entrusted me to tell the story or whatever, but like, I am the teller. That is a, a magnificent, awesome duty. And so I'm going to delve into it with, I'm bringing my own experience to it. I'm bringing, you know, Isabel Wilkerson didn't tell me that when her husband passed away, she felt like she was in a black hole and leaves were falling on her. I felt that way when my father died. Mm -hmm. When I have to render grief on screen, I'm going to pull out some of my heart mm -hmm. into the audience, right? And so these, um, these moments of merging my experience with the experience of the person that I'm chronicling so that I can create something that really communicates something powerful to the audience. I just feel like, you know, it's like someone's giving you the ball and you you can't just drop, you can't drop it. So I would say like a sense of duty and stewardship is what really drives me. And also I'll say to you, I just wanna, I probably won't do another one like this for a minute mm. about real people because it comes with a lot of that mm. responsibility. It's an added weight on top of the work. I do deep research, but you're also responsible to someone in their life. And, um, and you know, I just literally, I'm talking to some incredible actor friends right now about just a great little love story because maybe we just, I just need to go off and I don't know, 
<laughs> creeps around Paris with a with a little a little a little sixteen mil or something. But I think I think um yeah, it's it's that sense of sense of duty. Yeah, because you know you can you can see people's you you can just always tell when people are just doing whatever with people's lives mm. um, it's, it's tough just, though it's really tough you know because you imagine i think you imagine how difficult it is to give someone pieces of your life to interpret and an interpretation is just it's just never perfect you know mm -hmm. um and so that grace and that latitude and that knowing that this is going to be someone who is taking your story and putting it through their eyes their lens um, and that, you know, is, is a hard thing to do. So I, I have such respect for all of the people who've given me the opportunity to do it. I would never, if you're ever seeing anything about me, it's going to be unauthorized. <laughs> I never, I never. Right, right, right. I, I, because I just already, I know I'm a control freak and I know I'll be breathing down their neck. And you know, that was one of the beautiful things about this process is, and with this, and with the exonerated five, they, they, it was both, they were very much, look, we trust the work we're going to tell you whatever you ask us. And then we're going to, we're going to see what you do. And, um, and so that's, a, that's a beautiful trusted way to work. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud that I've earned that. Yeah. And it, but it takes a certain type of person to get it people does. to trust you with their oh, story. Uh, so you should definitely. I thought you were going to uh, say it takes a type a certain type of person to trust, which I think is okay. You know, to, to, to trust with your, your story and everything like that. So that says a lot about you. Well, that's, so, that's kind, you know, and working with Anjanu, who I was on the podcast, like blushing throughout. Cause I remember her in undercover brother and <laughs> I have been a fan of hers for a very long time. And I've watched the journey um, of her career and she's really one of the best out yeah. there right now. Hands, hands down. So I can you talk about what it was like working with her? Everything is so effortless and just natural. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll say that word natural is sound, it, you know, it, it feels like it is, uh, I agree with the word natural, but it feels like it is underestimating, like they're natural, it's easy. She approaches her work with such rigor. Mm. That's the word. Mm -hmm. The sister's rigorous. She's disciplined and she's rigorous. She mm. ain't on the set to play games. <laughs> she's not here to serve social lot. She's here to work. She's here to serve that character right. and, yeah. and serve that story. Serve in the sense of service and serve in the sense of, I'm about to serve all of y'all, mm -hmm. right? Like serving, right? Like literally just such a, when you talk about a steward of the story, and and she is just just when I talk about rigor, it is the preparation. It is the it is the 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 choice making and what goes into choice making. You know, that's not just how I feel right now. For her, it is let me think about the seven different ways this might go, mm -hmm. and then also let me just free myself not to think of it and see what comes. Mm -hmm. It's to pull herself back from the edge. It's to push herself to the edge. And to be able to bear witness to all that and watch all of that and try to find the best ways to support her as her director was a thrill. I mean, it was just a thrilling, thrilling thing. And, and my biggest accomplishment on this film, I think, was to try as much as I can. I don't know if I succeeded every day, but my accomplishment for myself every day, I knew I was showing up just to try to serve her performance. 
what could I do to, you know, from the script to the production to the direction, give her what she needed to feel like she could fly and do her thing. And when you say natural, there was something that she, there's some things that she does in this that, that she's an incredible actor. Just gonna yeah, say, gonna say, she's it, just dope. It, it's just, it just comes out so rooted and so real and no artifice and no performance. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing that's happening in, in that film that is put on that is not real. Like it is just, and, and sometimes those performances are misleading. People feel like they, because she's not crying and throwing things and you know what I mean? That it is, or she's stomping out or she's, running or all the things that mean I'm really acting. You know what right. I mean? You know, like right. this, I am acting here. No, it's those quiet moments. It is when she puts on her husband's, her her, her deceased husband's wristwatch, mm -hmm. you know, but it's also just when she opens a curtain in her mother's house. You know what I mean? It's just those small moments when she kisses her mother, you know what I mean? It's when mm -hmm. she's writing on the right whiteboard. I remember I was shooting something and she was just, I was like, okay, this is just whiteboard day. We got to get you in six changes of clothes because I'm going to intercut, you know, just you actually doing the work, reading, writing. And so we were like, okay, to clothes change, reading, write on the whiteboard. She's going to get herself in the space. The, the, the book needs to be real. Don't be the prop master that handed her a book that didn't have anything inside. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be that prop master with the blank pages, okay? Real about the topic turn to the right page that she was ready to read. You know what I mean? Like the sister is, is every single thing she does writing at the whiteboard. She wants to know, understand, believe what she's writing. You know what I mean? It can't just be pillar one, chapter mm -hmm. one. Well, what was the chapter? Well, what was I doing? What was the chapter before? Yes. Let's get into it all. Let's make sure that kind of rigor and discipline is rare. And what's, Isabel on set with you guys because when you talk about ingenue and then you talk about your sort of work ethic I'm wondering how Isabel fit in that creating this sort of trifecta of you know her work you directing and ingenue's performance and creating this I don't know I guess I would call it trifecta of safety of community of oh yeah collaboration that's the word I was looking for yeah you know, how you, how the three of you worked that out to create what we see now. Yeah. Well, she gave us the best gift. She let us do our work. Right. And she is, was wise enough, I think, to, to know as a, an artist herself and a writer, what that process is. You have to be, you have to feel free, mm. you know? And so she gave me a great gift and, you know, for two years, I could call her and do Zooms for hours and, it was during the pandemic, you know, and talk to her and ask her every little question. And, you know, I have texts from her saying, checking in, mm -hmm. you know, I have texts from her asking, hey, you can ask me anything or I'm free now or just making herself so available to the questions and the needs mm -hmm. and giving it all to us, plus the book, which was an extraordinary amount of research and then saying, you know, go with God. Mm -hmm. Really, essentially is how, you know, she in sharing a story that was steeped in such grief. The generosity of giving me the information and the stories that weren't in the book. And then the graciousness to say, I'll see you on the other side, go do it, was a gift that Anjanu and I carried with us on set and, and as, as sacred. And, um, and we just tried to honor her and serve the story at every turn 
and but allowed we were able to revel in the freedom of the interpretation which i think got us to a place that we're really proud of um when you talk about the collaboration and the sisterhood i know we got to go but you can't audra mcdonald and the great niecy nash Betts. when we talk about this try you know this the women mm -hmm. who congregated around this when we talked about like just it, it was really it felt very uh very steeped in like a sisterhood mm -hmm. um you know and uh and and that and that's something that i just have to say their names and and thank them for thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was illuminating and enlightening. I hope that people uh, find origin, see origin, internalize its message and spread the word around. This is a fantastic film that really should not be missed. Thank you again, Ava DuVernay, for creating a wonderful, empathetic and radical piece of work. Wow. Oh, come on, words. <laughs> Yes. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Anjanou um, Ellis Taylor, for coming on to the Scene to Scene podcast. I really appreciate it. I know things are busy right now, so thank you for taking the time out to chat with me. Um, I ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I'm just chilling. I'm good. I'm I'm always happy that someone would want to talk to me. So it, it's my pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. I'm I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I'm like, you can't see it right now when I'm blushing because I'm such a huge fan of your work and the, you know, the things that you do and the things that you stand for, you've been in the industry for a long time from origin to undercover brother to um, just all, you know, all of your, your, your films, how have you managed to, stay authentically you to always show up as your authentic self and not let the sort of influences of the industry cloud who you are as a person um well i you know i'm i have been i've been vulnerable to that you know certainly i i would say that when i was doing my the doing the campaign for king richard for example I think that I was particularly vulnerable to to that and was showing up because in a way that was expected of me because I had never been in that space before. So um mm. but you know did that done that and that's over. You know what I mean? Mm. And I saw I I now that I, now and 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 I think the body tells you like I have a friend who's always talking about this book called The Body Keeps Score. Mm -hmm. And I think you know I came out of that you know, knowing that um, that 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 could never happen again because mm. I had never operated like that up until that point. But I, you know, I think that you know it's very very hard. It's very very hard to to do this and not feel like how you sh how you show up can feel inadequate. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, particularly how you how you your physical appearance, particularly that. Mm. So it's hard. It's a struggle. But you know, I I think I I think I do okay with it. You know, I was, I was gonna ask is do you have anything in place that, in terms of protection or something within you or outside of you that alerts you to when it's like okay maybe I need to 
take a step back or maybe I need to shift focus. I'm always curious, you know, with actors, how they protect themselves from these types of harms. And based on your answer, it's, you know, it's like, that's not, that may not always be the case. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the one of the things that I, that's important to me is that I stay, that I, that I, first of all, don't live in any, I don't live out in California. Like I don't, I don't live here. You know, my life is, my life is in the South. My life is in Mississippi, you know, mm -hmm. Georgia. Um, that's where my life is. Cause that's where my family is. Um, and I think that I, I, I have a very, I don't know. I don't know if it's particularly healthy because it's not something that I'm, I necessarily am conscious of every day, mm -hmm. but I do. I, it's very plain for me that acting is what I do for a living. It is not who I am. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Like I don't introduce myself. Hello, my name is Anjanou Ellis and I am an actor. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right. Unless I'm unless I'm DMing somebody and, and wanting them to get back with me real quick, I'd be like, you might have seen me in this. Right. You know what I mean? To get them to not think that I'm just some random person. But otherwise, you know, like I there's no part of my life where I'm not either on set or when I'm doing this kind of work that this plays anything plays into who I am or what I am. I could be a plumber. I could be a Walmart reader. I could be an actor. And I just happen mm -hmm. to be, I happen to be an actor. That's how I make my living at the moment, at least. <laughs> and and <laughs> how have you, you've shaped a career that's really, really interesting because you are all over the map. And that's something I really admire, not, you know, being afraid to, take risks and, and do comedies and do action films and do drama. Is there any method to the way that you select the projects that you're a part of? I know that's kind of a cliche answer, but as someone who I think is extremely unique to the industry, there has to be a, a, a method to how you've navigated the projects you're a part of. I, I, you know, honestly, I don't think that there is a, there is no, there is no method really, you know, there is just sort of like a BS meter. I would say that, <laughs> you know, there is my bank account. <laughs> there's a bank account. There's BS meter. You right. Know? And, you know, I, I hope that, you know, that my BS meter is functioning at all times, even when my bank account is low. Right. You know, that um, there are certain things I just won't, I won't pursue, you know, and I don't want to give this impression that, you know, people are sending me scripts all the time and I'm just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to mm. do that. But, you know, when I'm become aware of something is casting or whatever, and it comes my way as something to audition for or read for, you know, I, I will say, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Cause my BS meter is like going, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> going, going off, firing off on all cylinders. Yeah, firing off. Um, so when we talk about origin and a story that is so deeply personal to Isabel Wilkerson and her work, was there any apprehensions there about how you would approach the role? Again, because when you're a part of things that are so deeply personal to people, you know, I wonder if an actor thinks about, I'm worried about how this will go or, or anything like that. Yeah, well, I I always, especially when you play when you play character people who are real, you know, they're not just characters. They're based on someone who's, you know, who has either walked the earth and their family family members are still alive, or they are alive mm -hmm. and, and well. You know that that for me carries a, you know, a particular kind of you know responsibility, 
Um, but I want to feel that responsibility for characters who are not, who, you know, who are completely imagined, mm -hmm. by, you know, by, by the writer of, um, you know, the, of the films or TV shows that I'm in. I, 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 I believe particularly, you know, as, as black women, as a black woman that I carry with me a particular kind of, I, I say responsibility, but I make it, it makes it sound, makes it sound kind of boring, but you know, it's just the reality of it. You know, you, you know, you, particularly when I'm playing roles where, you know, I'm the only black person around, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like the character I was playing is, was really originally written for somebody white. So they put this black, they plug me, this black face in it. Mm -hmm. They sort of expect the how how they imagine what life would be like for this white person that I could just you know they could just put me in this situation and you know box checked right 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 and it, that's not the case so I'm I'm I will battle have those battles with producers and writers and say I'm not going to do that mm -hmm. that thing you probably wrote for this white woman I ain't gonna do that. <laughs> Right. I mean, I'm not going to do that. You are not going to do that to me on screen because black women don't need to see that. Right. Right. We don't need to see those things. So when it comes to Ms. Wilkerson, you know, I carry, I carry, I carry that. That's, that's just like my, that's just my foundation. But the great thing is, you know, this is something that Ava DuVernay, you know, her intention was, was to present, to portray the interior life of a black woman, a right. black woman thinking, a black woman genius. Mm -hmm. And that is a space that black women don't usually occupy on screen. That's a, right. that's a space that women period don't occupy on screen. Um, so, so that was exciting to me. That was exciting mm. to me. And I respect Ms. Wilkerson so much. She's a Pulitzer Prize winner for her journalism. She, she is this, she is this voice that I think is probably one of the most important voices that we have to understand ourselves in this world right now, period, mm -hmm. all around the world. And that her scholarship is that. It's making these connections, connections, building these bridges, not just for Americans to Americans, but Americans, Black Americans particularly, to, to Indians, mm -hmm. you know, Jewish people in Nazi Germany, and seeing this as, as the course of human life rather than our just divisions right. you know, around the world and our cultures and stuff. Was there anything that particularly surprised you about her journey and her work. I I still think about it now, thinking about how the Jim Crow era was sort of the blueprint for what took place during the Holocaust. Something come on, that- somebody. Come on, somebody. Like I'm 40 years old and I'm just now learning that. And, you know, lots of points of origin kind of left me embarrassed because I always feel like I should have known that. And- I didn't. And I'm thankful that the film told me that. But did that happen for you where you were like, dang, like, I didn't know that. Like, oh, for sure. For sure. I uh, For sure. I, I mean, you know, listen, we sort of grieve our the, grieve our educations all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not but we what we have to do is stop thinking that it's our fault that we don't know these things. Right. It's intentional that we did not have these. We did not have Great this point. information. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We got to stop, you know, thinking that, you know, we had subpar, at least hunger for knowing about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Go to school all day, every day. We can have great parents, great, curious, well-read well parents and still not know any other stuff. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the intention of the state is to keep this knowledge from you, it will keep the knowledge from you. So yeah, I, I didn't know about it. Um, I think most people don't know about it. And I think it should be embarrassing for this country that they, that, you know, Jim Crow was the blueprint for Nazism. And I think that's why I like Origin so much, because it made a radical statement that caused me to question certain parts of my existence as an American, as a Black woman. And did you, traveling sort of around the world and meeting these different these different people, what was that experience like for you being, you know, in India, meeting these scholars, going to Germany, going to this museum, all of that, you know, as an actor that it's one impact, but as a person, it's another. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's great. And as an actor, it's one thing, but as a as a person, it's another. I mean, you know, the great I, I that's that's I will always be grateful to Ava for uh insisting that I have these experiences. Mm-hmm. You are when you when you are seeing me experiencing them. You are when you see Isabel experiencing them, you are seeing Ingenue experiencing them. So a lot of it, a lot of what you are are seeing on screen is what I am feeling in the moment. When you're when I'm walking through that museum, you know, it's the first time I'm I've been in that museum. It's the so I'm reading these things for the first time. And I would make sure that I would, you know, read different, you know, read different things. And I'm I'm affected in the moment that I am being filmed filmed. So yeah, it, it is watching this is to watch me transform, to watch me change as a person. Mm-hmm. Watching me play this character is to watch this actor transform in the moment. So much of what I did was happening at the moment that you saw it. Mm-hmm. You know? And I and I, you know, I credit that so much to to Ava wanting that to be present, alive, and real at all times for me. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I like about Ava DuVernay and her producing and direction writing is that her films have always made radical statements. Mm. You can always tell based on the reaction of, of people and there's always an adverse reaction to her work. And I'm like, she's doing the right damn thing because people are always talking about the statements that her films make. Have you noticed that I'm, I'm about to talk back to you? So how have you felt the same way with Origin? Yes. I think mm-hmm. it's a, it's interesting because I think there are pockets of people who like to reject the messages. Um, I remember with Selma, there was a big to-do about um, Lyndon B. Johnson and whatever, and as a response to that, which I thought was funny, as a response to that, I think a year later, uh, there was a biopic film about about the president uh, starring Woody Harrelson. And I just was like, so this is like the response to making your white heroes look bad is to create a, a biopic. I'm like, she must have done something right because she ruffled the right feathers to the point where they were like, well, no, this, you know, this cannot stand. We have to make this person look good when they didn't do very much for Black folks. And I find that the same with Origin, where people are so surprised by the radicalness of the message that they have a hard time accepting it. That's what I mean by 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 radical. The messages are so, you know, like head exploding that people are like, no, it can't be. That's not the case. 
And a lot of times people like to, you know, even with the 13th, the documentary, same thing. It's like slavery to prison pipeline. No, that's not possible. Mm-hmm. And it's like, unfortunately, you know, you don't live that existence. Some some people do. Mm-hmm. And the proof is in the pudding. The proof is, is there. It's not it's not like you can't access the information to find out whether or not it's it's true or false. It's there. It's in Isabel's book. It's it's in this film. It's on Google. Yeah, you know, it it it's you know, it's it's interesting to because I haven't I haven't seen the film. I haven't seen the film. You haven't seen Origin yet? No, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't okay. seen it yet. So, so, you know, it's, it's because I'm here, I'm hearing and feeling responses more than I'm actually hearing them because I don't mm-hmm. go on social media. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just sort of feeling people's responses to the, how they're responding to me and, and to what I did and how they're responding and the questions that I get in, in, in interviews, you know, sometimes they're engaged and sometimes they're not engaged, but but yeah, you know, I'm I'm interested in how, particularly how Af- Af- African American folks are responding to it. I'm interested in how, you know, this 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 country which prides itself on being that you know shining city on the hill, mm-hmm. and then having to having to square American exceptionalism with the very thing that it told itself it was going to war to end, mm-hmm. which is Nazism, mm-hmm. and when in fact we were the example for its 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 policies for its foundations you know mm-hmm. um so i'm 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 really interested and in, i'm interested in that i'm fascinated by it you know there's a lot to be said about you know this country and 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 it sort of being the blueprint for a lot of different things and how the united states chooses or chooses not to rectify that particular history, I think Origin is a film that calls a lot of people to task. It is a call of action, as I said in my review, for people to become more informed about the space that they occupy mm-hmm. um, in this country, in the world. And I, I can say, when I first saw Origin, I wasn't sure that I agreed necessarily with Isabel's overall message. But mm-hmm. I watched it again, and I was like, you know what, I completely understand and I completely get it. And I don't disagree with the fact that racism isn't enough. Um, Mm -hmm. There has to be more to the story. Thank you. Because I don't, I haven't, you know, had a converse, a real conversation about the film with anybody outside of, um, outside of my family, you know, and, and I'm talking to them about, you know, personal things rather than talking to them about the ideas Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, I I appreciate this, and you know, I think what I do believe, though, I do believe that you can disagree, mm-hmm. and I think that is exciting as well, because because what it does is this disagreement mm-hmm. invites invites discussion. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if I feel that way, Ms. Wilkerson. You know, because I think blah blah blah. Um, it, 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 it allows, or it makes a space for this, for the words to become alive, Mm -hmm. you know, in this place of, I would say, you know, conflicting ideas. I have to say that there are places where 
I don't fully agree, mm-hmm. but I, I'm with you in that I know that the way that we use race in this mm-hmm. country, the way that we do use racism in this country, have, we have overused it to the point that it is almost an abstraction now. Right. You know what I mean? I mean? It's just play. like, you know, it, it, it's not. Abstraction you know, is a very good word. Yeah, it's not even a real, it's not even a real thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's just, but what she does is that she, she awakes us or, you know, to this, to this new language and, 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 you know, demands that we see racism as a tool for something bigger. And that something bigger is not just about being black American in this country, not just about being white. It is about this, this larger idea is connected to everybody on this planet and what she does is she in the book is she makes it about you know uh, south asians and you know not you know jewish people in nazi germany but it it it, it you we can expand this idea to cultures all over the world and the other thing that i think is so important is how she traces it back to religious practices mm-hmm. and that is something that that we try to ignore but <clears throat> I stand firm on this, that we have, listen, the hundreds of people, the thousands of people who have been lynched in this country who are Black Americans found themselves on, on the ends of those ropes because there were there were white people who believed in the fictions or the lore of the Bible, that curse of Ham. Mm-hmm. That I I am justified in doing what I what I'm doing to you as a black woman as a white man you are a black woman I am justified in what I'm doing because you you are cursed in the name of the Lord in right. the name of the Lord and we can curse that straight we can trace that straight to the back to the teachings of um of the Bible yeah we could be here all day talking about just that um and yeah. how religion has a really interesting and fascinating hold on on the black community in America. What I like about the film and Isabel's work is that she does bring up the different intersections that exist or that we exist at as humans, um, as black people. You have the religion, you have the racism, you have the caste. There, there are so many factors. It's complicated. It, it showed me that the situation is just more complex than it is just saying racism all the time the the other part of that is is that you know because she says you know there is a high there's a a upper caste and there's lower caste that you can be in the lower caste and be fighting for the upper caste Mm -hmm. that you don't have to be a white person and that that's what complicates the whole race thing right that you don't have to be you don't everybody on upper caste don't necessarily have to be white, right? And you can be a black person and try to maintain the upper caste as well. And that that expresses itself in how you have black police officers who beat the crap out of black black folks mm-hmm. you know, because they are operating at the behest of the upper caste. Mm-hmm. No, they're not even in it. They're not in it. They're not in right. And that goes. See, that's that's what complicates it. That goes beyond race. You know, it's maintaining that upper caste. And yeah, what I wanted to ask you is like, how do you stay grounded? Yeah, I'm not that interested in being grounded. You know, ah. I, I want to fly. <laughs> that's I so awesome. That's an awesome fly. response. I want to fly. I think that there are more important. I think it's because there are more important things to me you know, much more important things to me, you know, like I said, like 
you know, acting is my profession. It's, it's what I do for a living. It's how I pay the rent. It's how I take care of my family and my friends, but it does not define me. And because it doesn't define me, you know, I can see, you know, like I'm not a, I'm not a small woman. Um, I'm a larger, I'm a larger bodied woman. And the only time I can, I get upset about that is when I can't get designers to give me free stuff because they don't make clothes for a, for a body like mine. And I have to come out of my pocket to get things made for me. Um, because they don't they don't exist otherwise. But then after that's over, I'm like, okay, you know, I don't I go back home and I live my I live my life. I do my thing and I find joy in places that have nothing to do with acting at all. I find joy in other places. I think that's what it is. I find my joy in other things. Right. I find joy in other things. Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation and for being so deeply vulnerable in this conversation that we're having and, and showing up honestly and authentically, as we, we talked about before. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. you know, and I want to say this real quick, you know, that what I have, what I'm blessed to do with something like Origin is really an extension of what I do in my in my regular life. Mm -hmm. For example, there is a billboard in, Ta in Tallahassee right now that um says my name which is my name is Anjanue Ellis and mm -hmm. I had an abortion and I put it in in Tallahassee intentionally mm -hmm. because I wanted it to be in proximity to to Ron DeSantis's office right and that's a bill I've had a billboard there I guess uh I guess this is a this is, might be the second or third time I've done it but it, I originated it in in Atlanta in Georgia mm -hmm. and as long as I have money I'm going to be putting them wherever I putting those billboards up wherever I can people may or may not pay attention to them but the reason that I do it is because I see these public spaces being used as a means of attack against women. Mm. And so for me, when I have one of those billboards, that's one less space that they can use their messaging right. to intimidate someone like me or intimidate young women, intimidate black women. Uh, I'm reclaiming these spaces. It is an act of reclaiming spaces. So I see origin as a way of of claiming space and reclaiming, reclaiming, reclaiming space. So, yeah. Thank you for 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 letting me know that and putting that out there. I can't wait for others who listen to the podcast to hear about this and to hear about the various ways that we as women, we as Black women, can take up space. Um, uh, thank you again so much for coming thank on the Scene to Scene podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you.